Hello and welcome to And Why Not Movie Fights number three. I'm Stuart Moraine and as always with these movie fight specials I was joined by John Tucker and Tom Stewart to have a not so fighty fight about a film of our choosing. Um, as Tom picked the first film in Lost in Translation and John picked the second film in Napoleon Dynamite it's my turn to round out this little trilogy by picking a film myself to defend and so out of the list I sent them we settled on the uh, 1989 Timothy Dalton James Bond film Licence to Kill. Um, it's a film I love, you'll hear more about it in there, and I was prepared to defend it, and whether I succeeded or not is for you to decide. Um, we'll roll the trailer for the film in a minute, um, just to let you know that, unlike usual recent And Why Not episodes, there's no Bernard Pivo questions at the end, because I've already asked them to Tom and John, so you can hear their answers for those on Napoleon Dynamite episode, um, but yeah, if you want to go back to those, but... Yeah, so as I'd already asked them, there's no point asking them again. So without any really carry on, I shall hand you over to... Well, we'll roll the trailer for the film first and then it'll go into the episode. So um, yeah, with nothing else to say, uh, roll the trailer. I want you to know this is nothing personal. It's purely business. Killing me won't stop anything, Sanchez. See you in hell! <laughs> this private vendetta of yours could easily compromise Her Majesty's government. You're going after Sanchez, aren't you? Are you crazy? Make a sound and you're dead. No! Your license to kill is revoked. Effective immediately. In my business, you prepare for the unexpected. Problem solved. I'm more of a problem eliminator. Commander. He's got to be stopped. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Very well, thanks. How are you? Oh, not too bad, thank you. Uh, slightly nervous. Oh, no reason to be nervous. <laughs> but I feel, I feel like I've been tied to a wicker chair and my bollocks are about to get whipped. I just have a look at that. Which, to be fair, is what I'm into, so it's all good. <laughs> oh, <But>. dear. <laughs> Come on, I read comics. We're all into something weird. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, true. Well, I've done enough episodes of this podcast. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> well, and that's it for this one. Cheers for coming. Cheers to that. <laughs> uh, right, no, it's it's round three of movie fights, and you bastards made me pick. So, out of the long list I gave you, we settled on License to Kill. Yep. 
1989 James Bond film. And um, yeah, I got a feeling that it's my turn for a kick in. So, well, so yeah. Um, well, Tom, what what did you think of the film? Um, well, I had to uh, I had to kind of take it in in uh, two parts. So that's uh, already that's off to a flat start. <laughs> yeah. Um, it took me forever to find a copy. Um, as well. Um, yeah, I woke myself up by snoring in the first half, so that was good. <laughs> Um, I was pleasantly surprised that I was able to make my way through it um, and uh, I think Timothy Dalton is one of the worst actors of our time so yeah, flying start oh dear uh, I thought it stunk as well so it's going to be a long night for Stuart <laughs> it is because I fucking P.U. what a stinker <laughs> this is one of my all time favourite movies fuck knows why <laughs> oh dear me boys I'm off the back of a 12 hour shift I've got a beer in hand and I am fucking loving life <laughs> okay <laughs> oh dear me oh <laughs> So who wants to start then? Like, how do we, how do we normally do this? Is it the person who's on defence that has well, we, to? Well, yeah, we usually talk about how we uh, first discovered the film. So as, as right. I'm the only one in the plus, shall I start? Ah, uh, you go, you go, Stuart. You go. So yeah, uh, I first discovered this film in so the '95 or '96 whilst on holiday in Wales. So you know, <laughs> watching telly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Is it North Wales or South, or South Wales? Uh, can't remember now. Somewhere with a beach. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, I never watched it because my dad hated Timothy Dalton as Bond, so we never watched those. We watched all the other ones on hard rotation as a family, but never these ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I watched it. Um, I don't know why. I just really, really liked it, and it got me back into the Bond films. Um, say, Timothy Dalton's probably my favourite Bond. Okay. Um which is a growing opinion, but when I put in the list that, you know, of the films that I like that I have disagreed with people on, <laughs> this is probably the one that I've had the hardest fights on. But I get why people don't like it, particularly if you're a fan of the earlier James Bond films. Mm. But but I really like it. It was something different. It was it was close to the Bond books, which I've always been a fan of, certainly in tone and the portrayal of the character. Yeah. Um, I like the story. I like the whole infiltrating a gang and taking it apart from the inside out kind of thing. Um, I just, yeah, I really liked it. And it's, yeah, like I say, it got me back into Bond. And then I always thought it was a shame there wasn't a third Timothy Dalton one, but it was about, well, it was about the same year he actually officially retired and Pierce Brosnan took over that I discovered the film for the first time. So, so this would have been, been around GoldenEye time, right? Yeah, so yeah, right, I think yeah, just yeah. before, just after Goldeneye came out. Yeah, it might have been ninety six. This took a longer break than uh, usual between the films as well. They were still reeling from the Dalts. It was legal disputes. It wasn't the Dalts. <laughs> now, see, I, now yeah, I, that's what I, saying. I, I read that it was it was a mixture of legal disputes and also because. Um, they positioned the film as a summer blockbuster, but it had suffered up against Indiana Jones, Lethal Weapon, Tim Batman. Burton's Batman. Yeah, you know, 
So mm. it, and he always the kids. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, like it's why and, they stopped releasing them in the summer. It's why when yeah. they did Goldeneye, they gave it a Christmas release, and from then on, they've all had Christmas releases up to what would have been No Time to Die this year, but obviously that went to tits. Yeah, because come out Easter time. I, I remember reading because uh, I, I obviously, obviously, I did a bit of reading around after I saw the film, and um, I, I read the like the Wikipedia page for it and some like critical appraisals and what have you. And one of the things that they said, which I hadn't really thought about. But then I thought, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, as they said that every Bond film now comes out in the autumn yeah. and it's to avoid that, uh, the you know, the the embarrassment of a of a summer flop. And that's basically in response to this film because I was in, um, which one was 2015? There was, was it, uh, which one was it that have Christoph Waltz in it? Uh, Spectre. 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 I saw Spectre in San Francisco and that was in November. And I remember Skyfall coming out in like, the you know the autumn and I, I remember thinking god that is yeah that is a, a weird thing for like such a huge franchise you know what i mean but um yeah no it is it is an interesting but i mean it's I mean, the story around the film is really interesting you know there's a lot of reasons why things were the way they were and why tim timothy dalton was the way he was and all the rest of it but um i mean it, it, you know the, the the making of the film is an interesting story for sure yeah mm. yeah well i mean so a bit of background, Timothy Dalton took over from Roger Moore. Um, yeah. Originally it was going to be, well, originally Timothy Dalton was offered it but couldn't take it. So they offered it to Pierce Brosnan who did take it but had a 60-day option on Remington Steel, which on the 60th day they renewed the option, mm. which basically ruled him out as Bond despite him trying to work around it, which initially they were going to, but then they upped the order for Remington Steel episodes and basically fucked mm. themselves over and him. Yeah. Um, so by which time they could go back to Dalton who was now free and he took the role and then I think um, Living Daylights is clearly a Timothy Dalton film written for Piers Brosnan so there's elements of Dalton in it but it's very there's yeah. certainly elements in it that are skewed more towards Piers Brosnan I think Piers Brosnan would have been more in the Roger Moore vein wasn't um wasn't Timothy Dalton offered it after Connery when he was like twenty five? That's he something was offered I read. It three times, I think. Um, he, on he was Secret too Service. Young. He was offered yeah. it, but he ruled himself out because he was too young. I think they talked to him around for your eyes only, because mm. they that's when so Roger was Moore that, was mid- thinking about hanging it up. So that was a couple of years earlier, eighty three, eighty one for your eyes only. Um, but then Roger I thought, Moore, was, I thought it was a mid seventies. Oh, good God. Um, he might have been offered it again then those are yeah. the three I definitely know about um, yeah. but yeah again Roger Moore decided to renew his contract for three more films <clears throat> and then yeah when it came around again in 85 when Roger Moore by that point was so fucking old yeah <laughs> and it's like here's Roger nearly 60 with a woman in her 20s that's not creepy or wrong at all yes yeah because <laughs> I love that's Roger Moore but he did not age well <laughs> yeah of course it is yeah yeah but, and now they're doing a similar thing with Daniel Craig. But yeah, but yeah after um, him, after him giving it large as well. Of oh, you know, it's about right that uh, Bond should be getting with some older people. I mean, that is the kind of age that he is. And then it's like next film, he's with two bloody smoking hot models that are about <laughs> half his age. It could be his daughter, yeah. and he's sitting like, yes, this is about right. Yeah. yeah. If you ask me, folks, it was uh, it was Little Saint James Bond. Oh dear. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know Little St. James was Jeffrey Epstein's private island that's three for three on Jeffrey Epstein on the show hey, hey. excellent there we go it's an official trilogy <laughs> it's the, the Epstein, Epstein pod before we know it <laughs> oh. um, yeah, yeah and I they think... talk about QAnon 
I think if Brosnan <laughs> had taken the role in Living Daylight, she wouldn't have had license to kill. Mm. That was a film definitely skewed more towards Dalton's strengths. Um, and yeah, like I say, Wait, it was closer in tone to the books. Um, it was close to the bond of the books. A nastier sort of, well, bit of a shitty bond. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was sort of my first experience. And then I think I watched this film probably about once a week for a good year. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm like that when I love a film. Oh, yeah. That and Tim Burton's Batman out on hard rotation for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so for you both, was it watching it for this? Was it your first time or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was, I think this was second time, but I never made it through the first time either, to be fair. <laughs> I, I will I will say like so that people don't think that I you know I just watched this one film once and just in order to come on here and prosecute it on the podcast. <laughs> um, um, I, generally speaking, I do like the James Bond films. I, I've enjoyed most of the ones I've seen. Um, obviously, I I think I got in on Goldeneye because of the N sixty four game. Um, uh, and then after that, it was the one where basically it was someone wanted to steal all the computers or something, and I jumped back out at that point. But the, I thought the Daniel, I thought the, the, the Daniel Craig ones were, you know, a, um, I thought that the, you know they were a, a good modern presentation, you know, and you know I, I really liked some of the the earlier ones. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the one that Robert Shaw was in as Grant from Russia with Love. As Red Grant, yes, from Russia with Love. You know, I liked a lot of those earlier, uh, the earlier films as well. I thought, you know, they were they were good sort of boxing debut in. You know, so I, it's not that I'm averse to the Bond franchise, um, but yeah, this I, I the, the the Dalton ones are completely passing by, and I, I will say, I, I I I personally I really like Timothy Dalton, not as Bond, but like if you watch him as something like hot fuzz like who else could have played that character in hot fuzz but timothy dalton you know yeah, yeah. no he's great i thought he was wonderful in that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. an amazing art in this arc in the series of chuck i've not um, seen that but he's really good in it and he's really funny um see i can't think of i can't think of him being in anything else bar sort of hot fuzz and penny dreadful and even then that's fucking dreadful so yeah flash gordon see you're that's only right. like 12 oh yeah so. yeah, yeah no I've, I remember him for Flash Gordon, yeah. Um, I'm watching it later. I didn't see it when it went out. See, I became a hardcore Bond fan again after watching this one. Like I say, it was the one that reignited. I went out and bought them all on video and then DVD, Blu-ray. The triple dip. The much-vaunted triple dip if you're listening at home, mark it off on your bingo cards. <laughs> Quadruple dip because I bought them on fucking DVD twice. I thought you were going to say video, fucking laser disc because fucking hell. You've got both DVDs. HD DVD. Jeez. Well, oh, yeah. You, no, you had the standard DVD, then they did the double disc with all the special features on it. So uh, right, okay. I had to double dip. And then, yeah, I bought them all on Blu ray, which. And I'll probably buy more when they come out on 4K as well, because, you know. There's, I, I can't think of a film I've quadruple dipped. I can't oh, think of can I? I've done the triple dip for the Sting, but I've never quadruple dipped. Uh, never. You're missing out. It's an experience. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll just buy another copy of the Sting then. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know you're alive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so what about you, Tom? Were you a Bond fan, or I'm guessing not, as you've never no, seen this before? But no, well, like I say, I'd, I'd seen I'd seen a bit of it, but never made my way through it. I had a 
friend of mine uh, back in primary school that was massively into the Bond films. I don't know if you'll remember when they came out is like they made up like a picture on the side of like VHS's yes. the yes. collection. Fuck. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I well, bought the collection just before that. <laughs> yeah, well one of my one of my pals, he was massively into them and he was getting all of them and he'd he'd been in them him and his dad used to watch them all the time. So I'd go around to his and would sit and watch a Bond film and I've never been so fucking bored in all my life. <laughs> um just like every time he'd be like right watching a movie hoping that he'd crack it like lethal weapon or something but no no another bloody bond another gold finger or uh, <laughs> prostate poker or some shit like that you know and um and he stuck this on one time and i just remember getting about halfway through and just totally losing interest and it was i must have been the most irritating little kid at that point just running about the living room and touching it but then going hey like come on just anything to <laughs> Just, just to get away from it. So um, I didn't really remember any of it at all. Uh, so yeah, I was coming, I was coming back to it, sort of fresh eyes, and oh, it's just, it was just as boring as ever. Like I say, I woke, I, I woke myself, I woke myself up snoring at the first half, um, and then I finished it uh, this morning, and I just thought, oh, God, I just don't, I don't get it. Stuart, you've got, you've got good taste in films, and I'm just like, why? Why? Is it just like <laughs> there has to be one stinker for every hundred films that you like? <laughs> and the, the other thing I will say well, is... No, um, there are bad films that I like, but I can't overly defend them. Any criticism, that's, but this one I thought I could defend, but that's maybe fair. not. Yeah, well, I mean, I, 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 me, me and Tom were texting earlier, strategizing for this, and um, I, <laughs> oh, it's like that, is it? <laughs> no, 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 no. But um, no, I know it's Sanchez felt in the film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were talking earlier, like, oh, have you seen the film? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, you know, we we shared some brief thoughts. But one thing I did tell him earlier was that um, I watched it last night um, with my wife, and uh, my wife had to call in sick to work today, and she blames the film because she <laughs> hated it as well. <laughs> She's like, James Bond made me ill. It was so boring. <laughs> Don't lie. She wanted to watch it again. <laughs> Funny enough, I mean, you know, well, we've got an Amazon Prime rental. And I haven't seen a second watch pop up on the account, but <laughs> still time yet. Still time. Still time. Especially when hours. I bought it. <laughs> you've got yeah, a hard she... copy in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, she's beginning the quadruple dip. I can feel it. <clears throat> yeah, I've never bought it digitally, so maybe that's what I need to do. Quintuple dip. <laughs> Quintuple dip. We've all seen it. But <laughs> no, I mean. A Bond film's tricky. If you're not into Bond, it's kind of a tough sell to begin with anyway, but... Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I like yeah. James Bond and I hate the film, so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I was yeah. trying to I was trying to even, like, compare it to some of the other Bond films that I've seen. And I was yeah. saying, this is just... This is nothing like any of them at all. It's its own See, thing. that was the thing with it. It was completely different to what had come before. Yeah, but bad, uh, different, Stuart. It's bad, so, different. No, I'm sorry. Really, <laughs> he does make a he does make a good point, and I do I agree with you, here, Tom. Um, is that it was very different tonally to the other bonds. Like, um, it, I, I'd say like in terms of like what what I think it was going for, I think it had more in common with the like the latter day the Daniel Craig bonds because from what I was reading about the the set, um, Timothy Dalton was very. 
um, keen to get out of the Roger Moore sort of, you know, carry on bond, the campy bond. And he was looking to bring it back more to the source material, which was this, you know, alcoholic broken man who is so troubled by his past and all this other stuff, which is essentially what Daniel Craig did. You know, Daniel Craig agreed with him and, and, and took that, took that road for himself. Um, so I, I think, I think Tom's right. It, it did do, it did do something very distinct from the other bonds, but I think, um, the the main problem is I think it it was ve- I feel that it was very poorly executed. If it's going to be this gritty revenge drama, um, I, I feel like it it uh, maybe it was just that they were so used to making these you know basically like you know um, carry on spying films with Roger Moore where like you know Barbara Windsor walks in goes hello Gavin do you have a feel of my jugs <laughs> but this time it's Timothy Dalton turning around going not now love you know and all this other stuff, right. <laughs> Right. Maybe it was that they were just so used to making these like like high camp bonds, you know, that having these grittier versions maybe didn't quite work. But I feel like the the real thing we missed out on by having this quite sort of convoluted drama, and I do feel the plot was overly complicated. I think it was far too long. Um, but I think the main thing that it robbed us of was having a late eighties James Bond, you know, like yeah. uh like a timber, like a, a James Bond that would have fit into that summer. Lethal Weapon, Batman, you know, um, Indiana Jones, you know, a James Bond that would have, because James Bond is always uh, like a reflection of the time, isn't it? You know, yeah. so, yeah. you know, like as we talked about in the in the Lost in Translation episode, when, you know, after like the Bush years, you know, we had films like The Dark Knight and things, you know, like the, the very self-serious Batman films. And we also got a James Bond to reflect that. You know, like we got the Daniel Craig, the brooding, the oh my god, you know, like um, the sort of the broken yeah. bond to go with the culture. And I, and I, I feel there are some franchises that do track the culture. I, I feel like Batman, but more specifically the Joker, the character of the Joker tracks the culture. You know, because um, there's a, there's a writer called Felix Biederman who's on this podcast called Chapo Trap House, and he wrote an article about the Joker through history around the time of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, and he said that you know, if you look at it through time, you know, Jack Nicholson's Joker represented like a whimsical time, you know, like the late eighties, you know, and then um, uh, Heath Ledger's was like the Bush years, you know, the you know Iraq Abu Ghraib, you know, this sort of like you know dark and twisted Joker, and then Jared Leto was the stupid. Mountain Dew Joker, I think he called him, and all the rest of it, you know. <laughs> and then Whacking Phoenix represented this just decaying of the Empire and all the rest of it. And I feel like James Bond is also another one of those characters that kind of tracks with the society he's in. You know what I mean? And yeah. but I think that having that be the year that they decided, right, we're going to go right back to the source material and we're going to make it a, you know, um, more, uh, you know, it's going to be more focused on. Because it was really, it was it was more sort of Timothy Dalton focused than any of the previous Bonds had been focused on their act. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like yeah. it was it was a lot more of Timothy Dalton's personality coming through and more of his interpretation yeah. coming through rather than it was about oh here's here's Q, hello Bond, here's a diaper that explodes or whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? There was no like big, <laughs> uh, you know, like gaffory moments in it. You know, it was more self serious, more stylized. But can you imagine if we'd had that late eighties? You know, like uh, you know, you could have even just you know, just 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 fucking rip them all off. You know, Blade Runner colored Bond. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that sort of like you know, neo punk. You know, um, I I think you know, it, it. I think it really 
missed a trick. I think it was just, and there's lots of things in like individually about the film that I didn't like, but in terms of what it represented, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've got a whole list on my phone of, of that, I, that I took while I was watching the film, <laughs> like just from the beginning. Um, extremely poor acting out the gate. Um, rubber whip, not convincing. I thought it was a joke. Snake, uh, very. <laughs> I thought it was a very, stick. It didn't look like a whip, did it? I thought it was like a no, joke crocodile. I thought, oh, it's another ha ha funny bond. But it was like, <laughs> you know, you know, I have to do this now. And he pulls out a joke snake. And I thought he was going to be like, <laughs> you know, like uh, very, very bad editing. James, uh, for like even in the first like two minutes, because like like when they land the chopper after it takes off on the wedding route. Um, Bond is shown getting out of it first and then it goes to the close-up and then he's the last one out of the chopper even though he's already got out of it. The dialogue keeps getting cut off. Um, I do notice that the Dark Knight Rises borrowed the, the plane hook. Yeah. Which I yes. thought, you know, I, I thought was interesting. If you um, watch but it's... Living Daylights and Batman Begins, how Batman gets out of the train with um, Ra's al Ghul oh, yeah, yeah. is shot for shot pretty much. Uh, Batman well, escaping, uh... Uh, James Bond escaping from the Jeep. Yeah, I mean the one thing I got from this from this watch is I definitely feel like Christopher Nolan took a lot from oh, Living Daylight. Yeah, and a lot and a lot <laughs> that's from this. That's James Bond film, rather. Um, um, I think with what you say, with regard to the drug cartel thing, by 1989 that shit had played out. Yeah, well, I think, I think if this been... had been two years earlier, it probably would have been more relevant on that sort of thing. I mean, like, well, bit like the war on drugs. What was that? Reagan, and then later Bush. So yeah. like. George H.W. Bush did the whole war on drugs thing, like even more so than Reagan had, you know, all this talk of like, you know, the cartels and all this other business. So it was it was like a popular bogeyman in the American imagination at that point, definitely. But I mean, I just think it was like when you think about, you know, like cartels and the drug runners and all this other stuff, like basically like Scarface. Right. Yeah. You know, that, that's yeah. I, I feel like that was a big um you know, cult cultural point that it was that Bond was kind of referencing there. Well, um, it, it, it felt like yeah, it definitely felt like there was somebody on the writing team or something that was like, let's see if we can put James Bond right in amongst Scarface. Yeah, ba- basically, like one producer's nephew was like, you should do James Bond versus Scarface, and he's like, well, we can't do that. Yeah. We'll, we'll do as best we can to please Chaucer or whatever his nephew was called. Um, and also some <laughs> other th- some other things I noted. Uh, it was a very very bad song, bad Bond song. <gasps> You know, so oh come, no! Don't gasp! Come on, it was awful. He was like, <laughs> "I got a license to kill now, baby. I'm gonna shoot you in the back at the Tesco Express." Pow, pow, pow! You know, it was just, it was just tuneless crap. It was, it was, it was so. It sounded like out of date for the for the 80s. Do you know what I mean? It was just uh, there was nothing going on with the song. There was a bit of nip for the boys in the video, but that's standard Bond. Um, other things I noticed. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the other note I made, um, an exhausting watch, overly convoluted plot, which I still couldn't sum up le- neatly now after having seen the film and read the Wikipedia synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> and I also think, and this is something else I said to Tom earlier, right, is that when you think of like the way James Bond, you know, um, plans and plots and schemes and like, get, you know, like you look at like, the beginning of like, um, you know, the beginning of Goldeneye, right, where you like you know, um, Bungie's down the dam, meets up with Sean Bean, and there's a shootout, and then there's a plane, and then it's Russia, and, oh, Sean Bean's alive, ah, ha, ha, and all this. There's all these, like, big, like, action beats, and there's the satellite, and there's the the big hangar over the base, you know, the radar, the satellite, whatever, right? All this stuff, and there's these big beats. The the way that James Bond, you know, um, sort of undermined the infrastructure of this cartel 
was by lying on the cartel leader's bed and gossiping about his staff. <laughs> and gossiping about his employees. You know what I mean? It's like, well, you know, Mr. Bond, you know, I, I, I think you're, you must be a former British uh, agent. Well, I heard. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, you, oh, you trust him? Oh, honey, I wouldn't trust him. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I'll talk to you later about that. And he's like lying on his bed, he's kicking his legs up behind him. Like, oh my God, I, I shouldn't, I really shouldn't tell you what I heard on the submarine, but I'm going to tell you anyway, because I'm, I'm like that. You know? um, but yeah, do not trust him. Seriously, do not trust him. All right, I'll see you later. I'm going to the casino. You know, like, <laughs> that was his, that was the James Bond plan. That was the big plan. Gossip about, he was like, you know, I trust all, I trust all my men unconditionally, or blah, blah, blah. Terrible Cuban accent. You know, they are all 100% loyal to me. And then this bloke he's never met before comes in and goes, no, they're not. And he goes, oh, shit, they're not. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, what the fuck? And also, and one last thing I'll, I'll say before um, I, I like, go out of the interview room and bring Tom in is <laughs> that there was, you know, that bit on the submarine and uh, you know, where like, you know, there's like 50 named henchmen in the film. So you don't know who's going to be important later on. You see Benicio del Toro, but of course he wasn't famous then. So you don't realize he's, you know, he's basically a nobody in the film, but there was that one who looked like an off brand Harvey Keitel who got his head popped in the submarine. Right. Yes. <laughs> this, this film came out eight years after scanners. Eight years after Scanners. Mm. Head popping technology had been perfected by then, and that was one of the worst popping heads I think I've ever <laughs> seen in my entire life. Truly awful. Reused. Really, really bad. Reused. With the money that Bond had, it was a disgrace to have that rubber-looking head. I know it had to... It the could the be film didn't have the budget you think it did, because they were still trying to recoup money from Moonraker. Oh, God, yeah. So they'd cut a lot of the budgets up to that. I think Goldeneye was the next one that had a decent-ish budget. And obviously, once that raked in a shitload of money, that balanced it out again. But yeah, Moonraker, uh, there was some bad deal on it, so they were still paying off on that. But they, but to they, license to kill. They saved a lot of money by filming exclusively in Mexico, right? Yeah. Was it Mexico? Yeah, yeah. every single shot was in Mexico. Uh, yeah, spent Florida Keys, spent Mexico. some of that money on a better head. Get, get Tom Savini in for a day. You know, <laughs> don't show that. It was awful. It was, uh, but yeah, but that was my main throwaway. Like the plot was incredibly convoluted. It wasn't exciting. And the and final thing, there is no more. There is no more boring a chase scene on earth than with eighteen wheelers going at a cool twenty eight miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking snooze fest that was. My God. And I'm sorry, but the bit where he like ramps up. And one thing I really did like was, you know, where like he like rams into, you know, he's like, you've got this big powder keg and they were full of cocaine, weren't they? Yeah. Cocaine full of co yeah. Oh, cocaine and petrol. Yeah. There's like incredibly flammable cocaine all of a sudden. Right. And he like comes up behind this other tanker and he crashes into the other tanker and the front of the tanker just goes like, <laughs> like it just folds in on itself. <laughs> it looks such, it looks like such a anti-climax, just such a damp squib. But then he goes up on the side wheels when the rockets come in and he's still going at like 15 mile an hour. Like if there'd been cars on the road, they would have been honking. That's how slow this chase was. <laughs> it was just fucking like, honestly, by the end, like my head was going like a newborn. I was like, Oh, ugh. You know, it was such a hard watch. I get what Timothy Dalton was going for with like the, the grittier bond and all the rest of it. But this was, if you think about the, the, the context of the time, this was not the bond to do it with, you know. I get he didn't want to do another carry on bond like Roger Moore and all the rest of it, but my God, it was it was just a, it was like a telenovela. It was just a, a just a long procedural about 
the internecine politics of a low-level cartel. You were supposed to be in Istanbul last night. I'm afraid this unfortunate lighter business has uh, clouded your judgment. You have a job to do. I expect you on a plane this afternoon. I haven't finished here, sir. Leave it to the Americans. It's their mess. Let them clear it up. Sir, they're not going to do anything. I owe it to Leiter. He's put his life on the line for me many times. Oh, spare me this sentimental rubbish. He knew the risks. And his wife? This private vendetta of yours could easily compromise Her Majesty's government. You have an assignment. And I expect you to carry it out objectively and professionally. Then you have my resignation, sir. We're not a country club, Double Seven. Effective immediately. Your license to kill is revoked. And I require you to hand over your weapon. I need hardly remind you that you're still bound by the Official Secrets Act. I guess it's uh, a farewell to arms. That, that's it. I, I, I'm done. I, I've been talking for 20 minutes. I, I'm gonna. I, I yield my time <laughs> to Tom. Do you know what? it's a? You were saying there about it, like oh, you wanted to change it. You wanted to make it a more gritty Bond and everything. And I get that, and I can see where that's coming from as well. But they didn't do it enough as well to even do that. They they still had the crappy little one liners, and they still had Q coming in and giving it. Mm, this is toothpaste that explodes, <laughs> and they they had like the the weirdest fucking thing. You know, gun recognition for the for this thing, which didn't even really come into it. It just had him saying like, oh, who would need a gun with hand recognition? But nothing else. It wasn't like somebody tried to take it and then the hand blew up or anything like that. No, just just to be fair, Goldman is the most egregious film for that though, where they spend ages pouring over a BMW and all the shit it can do and then they don't use any of it. Oh fuck, I just remembered something. Right, sorry, I want one last thing, just an addendum. (laughs) Um, You know where Q is showing him the gadgets? Yeah. And it's like, here's a Polaroid that fires a laser, right? And she presses it by accident. There's always the bit where it goes, don't do that, that's my lunch, or whatever the fuck, right? So yeah. it presses the Polaroid and it fires the laser. You're going to say the x-ray of the photo? The, photo, the photograph had a skeleton. <laughs> the yeah. photograph on the wall had an x-ray skeleton. <laughs> See, I like those stupid little bits and the fact that the henchmen all seem, Sanchez's henchmen, given that it's this fucking terrifying drug cartel kind of thing, are all a little bit stupid and inept. Like where they go to get back into the Jeep and then climb back out of it before it blows up. A little and... bit. A little bit. <laughs> well, all right, they're massive. <laughs> to be fair, Bond points that out. They weren't even human. Like they just—they were just clowns walking about. You know, grab this gun. What gun? <laughs> it's shooting up in the air and everything. You're like, what the? It did—it did, un- it did undermine the gritty. I think. I think it did undermine yeah. the idea that it was like a, you know, a rip from the headlines gritty thriller. If you're gonna have, you know, the the skeleton of the photograph on the wall. And you know, like I, I kind of remember after. I, I don't but... think they walked that fine line right. I don't think that's some of the problems I have with the Daniel Craig films is they need a little bit of that humour putting back in. Not like I that. Think with I that one, 
that yeah they didn't quite get the balance right but they were a bit i mean i loved seeing more of q in the film as a bond fan i loved him i love the fact that he just throws one of his gadgets away after years of reprimanding bond for doing the same <laughs> he just tosses the rake into the uh hedgerow after he's done with it do you think well, that's another you... thing oh no and you go john I was going to say, like, like with the Daniel Craig films, like, is there any room for that kind of comedy, really? Because, like, if you were, if it's like, because Daniel Craig's Bond has basically been, I'm James Bond, but now I'm blonde and depressed now. Oh Christ! Daniel Craig's you know what I mean? Bond has been not quite Bond, not quite Bond. He has been Bond, was Bond a long time ago, and probably in this one was Bond a very long time ago when it finally comes out. Um, well, yeah, we, we've never seen Daniel Craig as a fully fledged Bond. The problem with the Daniel Craig's films is they're a reaction to the Jason Bourne films. Yeah, I get that. I think I Mission that. Impossible films are getting the Bond balance a bit more right than the um, Daniel Craig films are. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't but, but it's also a possibility, as much as I love Bond, that it's maybe time to rest him again. I know I'm saying that, having had a six-year gap between this last one and No Time to Die when it eventually comes out. But it's they either need to find a rhythm again or knock it on the head personally yeah. but yeah it's I think, tricky I think isn't knock it on, knock it on the head would be a good idea because then if you bring them back after I don't know 10 years or something people might actually genuinely be excited um, but well, yeah, if they just keep churning out if they just keep came out. yeah if they just keep churning out and churning out it's like oh fuck another one who's it who's it now it's getting like Batman it's getting yeah. to yeah. that point where people are going right who's it now come on come on just, and I, the numbers are just slowly dwindling until you're down to just, you know, the 40-year-old the dudes that grew up watching James Bond with a dad. And that's about it. Ironically, if you did, if you gave it, speaking of Batman, if you gave it a 10-year break, I tell you, I think it'd be a good Batman, into, uh, Batman a, a good James Bond in 10 years, would be Robert Pattinson. I think he'd be good. <laughs> yeah. I think he could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At least he'd be actually more um, posh. As well than uh, yeah. than well, yeah, any of them. Yeah, because <laughs> so, yeah, this was Northern Timothy Bond. Dalton, trying, yeah, t- Timothy Dalton trying posh and then just giving it like, hey, oh, love getting the boat, come on. <laughs> but would it all sudden the cartels are coming? Christ. <laughs> <laughs> really, Northern? I like you know, just figured he well, was no, trying no, hard no. to hide his Welshness. But well, no, I ended up it, it, just because he was trying to do like a posh. English ended up just completely sounding like he came from like Middle Yorkshire or something. Yeah, see, like I say, I I rate Dalton as Bond. I think from a pure acting ability point of view, I think Dalton and Craig are probably the two best actors (sighs) on a technical level to have played Bond, which is arguably why they let Dalton carry more of a film. Don't get me wrong, Connery's great, Lazenby did his job. And I like Jason B, but he did his job. He's not he's not a great actor, but he's in a great Bond film. Um Moore did what Roger Moore did, which was play Roger Moore playing whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um and yeah, Pierce Brosnan did what Sean Connery and Roger Moore had done before, just slightly mixed together and diluted. But had, like Dalton you know said, the problem he had going into it is that he was either going to be compared to Sean Connery or Roger Moore. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of had to go off and do his own thing, which if Pierce Brosnan had come in at that point, you would have just had a continuation of Roger Moore, as was yeah, evident from enough. the way the t- Pierce Brosnan films went on. I don't think he did enough of his own thing, though. That's the problem. It, 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 it did just end up being this weird amalgamation that was 
was him trying to do his own thing, but then being bogged down with the script and people basically saying to him, no, we need this to be more Bond. We need this to be more Bond. Well, I don't think it, it helps either. It was... that, no matter what you do, I th- imagine it's a bit like directing a Marvel movie. You can put your stamp on it as much as you want, but you're still confined to that Marvel method. Yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. But kind of thing. I think what you get with Timothy Dalton's Bond is a Bond that has a genuine distaste for what he's doing. It comes across in Living Daylights as well. That's true. Yeah, where he's, mm-hmm. he's happy to yeah, be. Yeah. He'd love it if he got sacked. He's like he doesn't want to be doing the job anymore, but he's also aware of the fact that he probably doesn't know what else he'd do. What I like about this film is at the end, apart from the awful thing of Felix Leiter being awfully jolly for a guy whose wife was fucking hinted at being raped and murdered. Yeah. Yeah. And losing a leg to a shark. Yeah, it's all yeah. fucking jolly at the end. Yeah, like the last scene is basically the music video for Russ, uh, Russ Abbott's What an Atmosphere, isn't it? Like, <laughs> that's the end of I the mean, film. I love that thing about Timothy Dalton is that he'll kill you, then throw a party in your house afterwards. Mm. So that's what kind of bond he is. But, um, but yeah, that whole what? Felix Lighter thing aside. What happened with that, though? What 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 is what's what's the deal with Bond after that film? Like, is he is he still rogue? Is he still being hunted down? Is he still being you know? Well, the implication is there is other agents looking for him to give him a job. So, yeah. right. I imagine he's going to it. But that film has a night. Given that it possibly just because it had the six year gap afterwards, and then when Bond did come back, he felt very different. Felt the same, but obviously enough time had passed. That film has a nice final feel to it that it could have played as the last James Bond film. Yeah, I, we I can get fish that. thing aside. It's it's got that nice ending that you could see him spending however long else with Pam and just going off and being a rogue agent or whatever. Yeah, being like mm. a mercenary in South America or some other fucking heinous shit. Yeah, or you know, just taking <laughs> over the drug cartel. Well, yeah, well he's got all the gear, isn't he? You know, just but... clean clean the bits of Benicio del Toro off the off the the the, <laughs> the bales of cocaine grinder that is on the end of a. <laughs> Honestly, from a from a health and safety standpoint, this film is a mess. But you know, like this <laughs> conveyor belt that is like next to a walkway. Bloody hell! But, Where'd you uh... keep your conveyor belts? Honestly, <laughs> I think that's bad. Don't look at the Death Star for fuck's sake. That's true. They got walkways good, uh... and no railings at all. But it was a, yeah. it was a sign of a, a sign of a good machine, though. I mean, it churned up Benicio del Toro and just kept going. You know, that's oh, good craftsmanship right there. It was clean mints. So I'm not arguing that. But I mean, you know, yeah, look how much coke that machine had taken. That's true. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking buzzing. I, I, like to me, like um, I don't know. Are either of you um, do do either of you watch or are you familiar with Mystery Science Theater three thousand? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So there was there was an episode of that. I say an episode. It's always a film, isn't it? But they they, they did a film called um, uh, Agent from Harm H A R M with dots in between. Like that was the the acronym. They never explained what that was. Right. It was basically like a nineteen sixties. You know, lots of it were filmed in Eastern Europe, like you know, like a non-union James Bond ripoff, right? And but the problem is, is because they didn't have much of a budget. A lot of the film is just the James Bond figure driving like the 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 defector scientist's daughter to lunch. So it's just like <laughs> him just driving down the road. And the mystery science theater people, whenever something like this happens on the screen, like basically a nothing event, one of the mystery science theater people will go dana dana like under it. <laughs> And I feel like I've, you could do that under a lot of um, License to Kill. There's a lot of things happening where it's like people just having meetings or 
you know, they're having like the group huddle in the morning on the submarine, you know? Okay. Okay. So, you know, let's, let's all remember it's Barbara's birthday next week. So everybody needs to sign <laughs> their card. And, uh, you know, it's just, they're just doing like, like, like middle management admin for a lot of it. And then Bond comes to the casino and, you know, and then, um, their words, not mine, the Orientals show up. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> um in full ninja garb like and they and they're meant to be like um was it hong kong hong kong narcotics hong kong narcotics it's okay okay so um you know we got you know the, there's a you know sanchez or whatever is running a cocaine ring over in central america which is the other side of the world to here we need you to go over there and take it down class yeah all right we'll go over there now i'm just gonna pack all my stuff up don't forget your ninja costume what <laughs> Don't forget your ninja costume. You need that in case in case it kicks off. Put your ninja costume in the bag, please. <laughs> what? Bright ninja purple. costume. Bright, bright purple, purple ninja, ninja costume. costume. Well, yeah. if you're packing your cyanide, you might as well take your ninja costume. Yeah. Oh my oh, god. God. The, like narcotics agents. Oh, just I've got to remember. I put my cyanide cap in my my false tooth that I've got. Yeah. It was, just got to remember that. It was literally like a bit in the Simpsons. You know where like the mafia fight the Yakuza on the lawn. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that, that little guy hasn't done anything yet. That's what it was like. <laughs> um, yeah. The, uh, the thing about the over <clears throat> the overpowering music, though, I'd, I'd made a note that, um, especially at the start, it seems to just come out of nowhere. Like you know, he's 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 measuring stuff on a on a map, and it's giving it. Da, 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 da. I'm like, what the fuck? Like he's just got some rulers out. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, they they played the music all at the totally wrong times as well. Like yeah. eighteen wheeler going up and doing a, a wheelie, which I don't know how that's fucking possible. But, just the cab um, of an eighteen wheeler doing a two wheel pop off. Yeah, that's exactly the time you want the Bond theme kicking. I love Michael Kamen's version of the Bond theme. I love that fucking score. It's it's over the top, it. I'll grant you, but I need to get through these flames. I've got this eighteen wheeler up. Dan it, Dan it. What? <laughs> what? See, I don't know if it's just the age I was at the time because I was 16 when I first saw it. So, and I don't know whether it partly played in that you know, rebellious teenage teenager and my dad fucking hated Timothy Dalton. I don't know why. I don't know whether he owed my dad money or what. But, <laughs> but yeah, um, but I was genuinely excited by this film. I loved the stunt at the beginning where he's hanging from the helicopter, hooking up the plane. I love the way the Bond theme kicks in with that. Um, I love the whole thing where he sits down and is face to face with Sanchez. Sanchez with the "In my business, you prepare for the unexpected." That whole exchange. Mm. Um, I love the fucking tanker thing as well. I know it's ridiculous, so, but I fucking loved it. So. I mean, if you if you watch it, you're kind of like, why does he wait until he's up on two wheels to then fire the stinger? Just oh. turn slightly, and you could take him out on two wheels. But, but, then, yeah, just... And again, like, and again, coming back to the Simpsons, it was like. Targets are moving too slowly. Suggest we get out and walk. Like that's what it was like. The eighteen wheeler chase. Like it was. Just, like, it was so. Like, you could tell that it had been shot very carefully to make it look dynamic and exciting. But the thing is, the way they shot it, and the, like they couldn't even hide the fact that these things, they can't. They couldn't. They can't turn on. You know, they couldn't turn on a main road roundabout, let alone a dime. And they, they get like a top speed of 30 mile an hour and you've really got to step on the fucking pedal to get them over 40 on a, on a gentle incline. But that's that's what Bond films do, isn't it? It's like, no, yeah, they, he's meant you to take a gondola and it's like exciting. 
Or you take a fucking Citroen CV and make it look exciting going through Paris with a stunt double who is obviously not Roger Moore. Yeah, a Citroen but, can do can do fifty four with a limiter, not thirty. Thirty <laughs> miles. That whole an sequence hour. was shot on like the most dangerous bit of road because there's a whole thing. You've that, never guy, known it. The guy taking still <laughs> photography took a photo of one of the explosions. There's a flaming hand coming out of it. And you can't see it anywhere in the film, but it's in one of the photos, and it freaked the fuck out of everybody because that stretch of road is meant to be haunted. <laughs> it's like it's got that whole fucking ghost story thing going on with it in the making of. That's a, that's a rumor that production planted to try and get people to watch this whole <laughs> fucking well, eighteen wheeler chase. I don't think it came out to got... the DVD release, but. The thing that got me with that as well, though, is her flying the plane. The clearly, you, that that's a, p- a point that you realise that they clearly didn't have the budget to destroy a plane because she landed nice and safely. Uh, they the only air. showed the tail. Yeah, yeah, they only showed the tail with a hole in it, like a- away from the actual whole plane. And then when she eventually comes down and sort of lands, it's like right, get one of those pre-broken planes and push it through so that we can get the the wings off, right? And yeah. now she's in the the whole one again, right? Get her out. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Like it's it's not it doesn't really like funnel into like the James Bond magic if you if you can imagine like the director going careful careful <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? like James Bond who's like rolling like rolling Mercedes and fucking Aston Martins or whatever in the other films and he's like shooting the Mona Lisa the real one they didn't even make a replica and then in this one they're like driving eighteen wheelers around going oh Jesus careful. <laughs> <laughs> He barely, he barely fires a shot as well. There's like a lot of shooting up at the top, yeah, a lot of shooting, like shooting down at the end, and then in the middle, there's a fight with a swordfish. You know, yeah. and I'm like, what the, what the fuck is going on here? It's very and light like on I say, in the middle. Yeah, some uh, some blown up uh, toothpaste as well. And another another point that I noticed throughout it, it was were they like going against the anti-smoking lobby at that point or something? I mean, I know there's a lot of smoking in James Bond films at the best of times, but Every given opportunity, one of them had a cigar, a fag. I mean, a fag packet was an explosive at one point. Uh, well, they had to put the Surgeon just... General's warning on the credits. Yeah, this was they? the last Bond film to feature um, Bond smoking cigarettes and the first to feature the um, Surgeon General's health warning at the end. Um, I think it's because Dalton's a smoker. So I imagine uh, he was right. probably like, I'm just going to fucking... I'm sparking up for this <laughs> one. Like... I'm just going to be like smoking cigs on the To be fair, though, in the book, <laughs> Bond is a heavy fucking smoker. Yeah, I, I get that, and like I say, most of the other films as well. You know, the most one of the most iconic um, views of of Bond is Sean Connery with that one sort of loosely hanging out his mouth and stuff yeah. like that. Like I get yeah, that, yeah. but yeah, this one just seems to be going. Yeah, but this one seems to just be going out of its way to be like, eh, fucking get it up here. They were all smoking yeah. in this film. Well, Nineteen eighty nine as well. Would have been more than his friend's wife had just been murdered. Ah, but nineteen eighty nine would have been the rise of like the American anti smoking lobbies like big time, uh, going through like all the schools and everything. And this one was in a, a slightly uh, higher certification as well. It was like fifteen or eighteen or something like 15. that. First um, one, so would have been hit, Yes, Didn't so would have been hitting all like the teenagers and stuff. And well, it's almost like cut down on the sex like... because of the AIDS epidemic. So perhaps that was the handoff. So you can have the smoking, but you can't have the fucking. It's one or the other. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Um, it's true. Yeah, no, I mean, as a long-term Bond fan, I love the fact that they brought back one of the earlier Felix Lighters, which was the first time they'd done it, um, which they brought back David Hedison from Live and Let Die. What happens to Felix in the film is what happens to him in the book of Live and Let Die. Yeah. Um, so I like that there was that familiarity with bringing back a familiar Felix. It kind of added a little bit to what happens to him. Um, I was also a big fan of Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, so... 
Um, yeah. it, it helped that he was in that as well. So I reckon that I love the fact that they referenced Bond being married a long time ago because this is very much not so much Bond about avenging Della and Felix. It's Bond avenging his wife. It's the film that Diamonds yeah. Are Forever should have been. Because that's very much thrown away, given that it's the film straight after his wife has been murdered. And he's all kind of like, you know, I'll chuck him in the mud and then, hey, (laughs) (laughs) kind of thing, which possibly if Lazenby had stayed on, they would have covered that more. But yeah, and I mean, that's one of the things that gives it a nice final Bond film feeling is it's finally closing the chapter on Tracy being murdered. Yeah, I know. And, you know, Bond going for revenge by proxy. So I love that. Like I say... I'm a big fan of music. I think Dalton's great. I think Robert as Sanchez is great. I quite like that he's a mirror of Bond, probably in more of a way than any other villain has been. Um, and you I kind just... of like him. He's a fucking monster, but there's something quite likeable about him, which is what makes him a bit more scary. I thought he was a really strange villain. Um, you know, just yeah. a, a cartel... Was he, was he actually the boss of the cartel, or was he just, like, really high up? I couldn't quite tell. I, I... I think he was the guy in charge. He was getting right. yelled at by that nerd at the end. And he yeah. fucking shot him. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the guy's like, they, we've got their money, oh, got to get after him, and then he shoots him. It's like, it, this, this is this is what you call like, um, like conflict-driven management, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, my wife's kind of like him when the credit card statement comes in, and then I'm kind of like, <laughs> if I had a machine gun... <laughs> Oh, there he goes. He's playing the he's playing the misogyny card there, John. That's fine. It's uh, it's proof that Bond would be a favourite of his. There we go. <laughs> it's all slotting together now. There we go. But, Stuart, I mean, Stuart just sweating bullets over there because he smoked too many cigs back to back. <laughs> oh, I don't feel well, boys. Oh. <laughs> it's camel time. <laughs> but no, this this film's a two-hander between. Bond and Sanchez. Everybody else is just. Hey, it's of... not even two fingers. <laughs> <laughs> no, their scenes together are great. That whole scene where he first goes into his office is great. The dialogue between them is great. The whole final confrontation, the whole don't you want to know why, and he fucking sets him on fire. I fucking love Dolan's delivery of that line. I just I think... thought the guy that was playing him was shocking. Absolutely oh. shocking. That's Big Johnson Dude. from Die Hard. I mean, come on. Oh, no. No. Just I, I... awful. I'm I'm generally like in terms of the Bond franchise, they they do this, don't they? Where like if someone who's been like who's who's had a great villain performance in, in the in the preceding years gets brought in to be the villain, you know, like they had um, uh, 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 Javier Bardem, and then they had Christoph Waltz from No Country for Old Men and Inglorious Bastards. And... Yeah, you got Bohemian Rhapsody guy Rami Malek in the next one. That's more yeah. of a newer thing, though. I'm not sure that Robert Devi was that big Die Hard aside, it wasn't a massive part in Die Hard, and there's nothing in his performance in Die Hard that you're like, he'd be a good drug cartel boss. I suppose, and but maybe it is more of a modern thing, like, yeah, like as you said, you know, you got, uh, was it Rami Malek? Yeah. Who was the mm-hmm. villain of Bohemian Rhapsody, Freddie Mercury. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know um, I think Brian Singer was the villain of Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> wow, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think I, I think the, I think the guy who played Sanchez, who I hadn't seen before, because what was it he was he was from? Die Hard's probably his best known thing. He's also never, in Showgirls, but never seen Die Hard, never seen Showgirls. Um, so <laughs> I, I got no, I got no frame of reference. How have you never seen Die Hard? I I tried it a couple of times, but you know what's put it off for me It's like whenever anyone mentions Die Hard, it's like you know it's a Christmas film. It's like oh, uh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> 
I was going to suggest we do a Christmas trilogy later this year. I'm just going to cross Die Hard on. <laughs> we can do Die Hard as well. I've never seen it. We can do it definitely. Um, but like, I hadn't seen him in anything before. I thought I thought he was a a, a just fine Bond villain. You know what I mean? But it, like, it wasn't like it wasn't Sean Bean as Alec Trevelyan. You know who was class. I thought Sean Bean was class. Yeah. It was because well, he's Sean Bean. Well, yeah, but but that's just, it, isn't it? You know, he was Sean Bean, but I think it was a more, I think it was, you know, the story made more sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, you were always the fucking chosen one, Bond, and you know, and, and I'm Sean Bean, and I'm bloody northern. <laughs> I've come over here to fucking Russia, and uh, my face is all mangled now. E bloody hell, Bond. You know all this stuff. <laughs> Winter's um, coming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I think I think he was really good. I think um, Javier Bardem is good no matter what. Christoph Waltz just played Hans Lander again, like he does in everything. Because yeah. I think that's, that's all anyone wants from him. And can, can, can you do Hans Lander, please? You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, th- th- this guy was like a perfectly passable thing. But I don't th- like in terms of like, and you know, if you look at like previous, like I, I know um, Robert Shaw wasn't the main villain in From Russia with Love, but like someone like Red Grant, who is like an unstoppable monster, yeah. you know, or like um, Jaws or someone like that. Um, um, like there wasn't really a. I know Benicio del Toro was kind of hinted at as that person, yeah. But it, it seemed like every minion got like five minutes on the screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Benicio del Toro was not pushed as this like unstoppable monster, you know, in the same way that Azenya top was, or um, you know, because Azenya top I think had the best introduction of any of the sort of latter day secondary villains. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Literally fucks a man to yeah. death. You know, and all this but other it, shit. It's not a henchman Bond movie, though. No, it's like not. I, say, it's, it's I feel like that Sanchez, Sanchez is very much the James Bond of that world, just fucking evil. It, pretty but, it much. but to me, it didn't seem like the kind of. It, it didn't seem like a fitting parallel. If you look at like the worlds that James Bond occupies, it's always like the Russians are at it again, Jesus, and then it's like someone wants to steal all the water, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's always like some maniacal shit or former agents yeah. who've turned rogue. Like, cartel shit like that. That didn't seem like a, you know, it just didn't seem like a parallel world for James to step into. I mean, I, I take your yeah, point. I think that's possibly but... one of the things I like. It does smack a little bit of like yeah. just some people in the office being kind of like, I wonder what James Bond are doing in the drug cartel situation. It's like, well, fuck it, write it. Yeah, I get. I get that they would. Have I mean, to, they would have to put him in that situation as well because he's not being sent in for Queen and Country or whatever. He's just going in on his yeah, own. Yeah. He's going on a revenge trip. I get that, but at the same yeah, point, this was this was just the first doesn't time Bond went rogue well. as well. Whereas Daniel Craig's Bond seems to go rogue every fucking film. Yeah, <laughs> it's like they did it with Timothy Dalton. They did it in the last Pierce Brosnan one where he went rogue briefly, but sort of not gone rogue. Yeah, and then yeah, in every Daniel Craig one since, it's kind of like yeah, he's fucked off on his own again. Yeah, like the the, the Daniel Craig films, it may as well have opened on him like being accepted to MI6 and then going, "Welcome aboard, James," and he goes, "Fuck you." I don't play by I, I did a thing a while ago own. about which Daniel Craig Bond film is this. Bond goes rogue after a fucking upper mission. Mm. <laughs> and it's like it's all of them. Mm, I, I think it was a, it was a difficult. I think it was a difficult fit for the James Bond character, the cartel stuff. You know? I think it was at the time. I think it was trying to straddle two worlds. It was trying to straddle the Bond world, the world of both Bond films that had gone before and the books. I was also kind of straddle that late 80s, Lethal Weapon, Miami Vice kind of yeah, yeah. 
you know, Bond takes on drugs kind of thing. And like I say, it's kind of like, it does smack off that, you know, what would James Bond do up against a drug cartel boss? Kind of like, you know, yeah. imagine if Batman fought Michael Myers from the Halloween films kind of thing. Bullshit story, conversation you'd have at school. But that's what like Mortal Kombat is for, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, but I quite like it. Like I say, it's, you wouldn't have a blow, well, I suppose you you could have a Blofeld go after Felix Leiter, but it wouldn't have, he would have just killed Felix Leiter kind of thing. Yeah. So it wouldn't work being that big world. It needed to have that personal stake. But the and cartel would have killed Sanchez. him. You know what I mean? Like the real cartels would but not have just taken the leg. The thing with it wasn't about killing him; it was about ruining his life. Well, Hence, killing his wife, maiming him, so he loses his leg. Yeah. Well, I mean, but uh, as we know, that backfires because it's like, nurse is here, and I'm really fucking. Happy. I thought he's just smacked off his tits on morphine. I was going to say Sanchez <laughs> grossly misread the room there because by the end of it, <laughs> the wife's dead, the leg's gone, and he's like, fucking pop the cork, boys, come on. That's because if he was miserable, <laughs> he would have let Sanchez win. He was being the right. bigger man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Freeze! Over by the trap door, old buddy. Where you put your old buddy Felix? Not me. Chalk that one up to Sanchez and Crest. million dollars in that suitcase. I'll split it with you. You want it. You keep it, old buddy. Something that doesn't sit right with me with this film as well is that they keep calling him Commander. Now, how many other films do you call him Commander? Um, Whenever he's in his naval uniform. How many uh, times is he? They call him Commander in the Craig ones a couple of times. I'm not talking about them. There's something else. (laughs) I'm on about. (laughs) This was part of the. This was this was part of the VHS. He is a commander. Right. I just, I just, I'm so used to him being called Agent or just 007 that when it says Commander, it just doesn't, it just doesn't sit right. And he gets called it every two fucking seconds in this one. <laughs> oh, just remember your place, Commander. I'm like, what? Yeah, I think that's a clunky way of sort of reminding you that he's gone rogue, but he is technically an official agent kind of thing. Right. Okay. But. I don't think you could... I mean, possibly Craig could pull this off, but I don't think another Bond actor could have pulled this film off. There's genuine fucking bile in Dalton's face when he kills people. Like the guy who fucking brings Sharky in after they've killed him. When he shoots him with Sharky again? The um, guy that they... The black guy who goes with him to Milton Crest's thing with the shark. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, this this is my other problem with it, is because everybody was on screen for two minutes, and for those two minutes... It was like, and now, ladies and gentlemen, Sharky. And it was like, and now Sharky <laughs> is the most important person in the film. And then it was like, 
you will not be hearing from Sharky again. <laughs> like Sharky <laughs> died on his way back to his home planet. Like, <laughs> but like everybody got like two minutes, and like, but like, you know, are you, do you mean to tell me like that that scene in the strip club, and as as Tom, as you said earlier, where the, the stripper just keeps like awkwardly like giving it the truffle That's... shuffle while they're shooting around her? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, but um, that scene where Benicio del Toro went in, and as we discussed earlier in Glorious Bastards, like that standoff in the pub where like they know what's going on at the table, but nobody else in the bar knows what's happening that horrible scene you know where they rumble in because he asks for three drinks wrong he asks with his thumb you know that scene i'm talking about like that scene where it's where you realize oh my god and there's all these people around who don't know what's about to happen like that seems to me like a really obvious thing to do in a scenario like that but they basically spunked it up the wall by having a blast him blast through the table after like 30 seconds it was like is like, I'm Benicio del Toro. Hello, and she's like, "Fuck this!" Bang, and then <laughs> you know, and then you got her up there giving it whatever to live in La Vida Loca or whatever the fuck was playing in the bar. <laughs> Dirty love. Dirty love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's I don't know. It's just it was so many. I just like for me the the thing that annoyed me more than the fact that Bond's grand plan was to basically like start Colombian TMZ and gossip his way to the top. And the fact that it was basically just like a, a management procedural. It was just so many missed opportunities. I know there's budget and then there's all this other stuff, but like it just felt like just one missed opportunity for a bit of excitement after another. You know, it just felt like the director going, if we'd had a bit of money, we could have put something really good here. Just picture it, picture it in your mind because <laughs> well, I'm not going to show it to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's what it felt See, to me watching it. It could just be that I love the film, but I don't know what. <laughs> like I said, I really really enjoyed it for what it was i think it was a refreshing change because i mean i grew up in an age where i didn't have a bond because i sort of you watch the bonds that your parents and your grandparents watch so your sean Connery's and your roger moore's particularly that's if, if sort of what i grew up to, on and then you're trying to win sympathy points with this i grew up without no, a bond. Just, but then from <laughs> 89 to 95 which was my like you know prime bond fan years if you think about it because it was what 10 to 15, 16, I didn't have a Bond, which is a huge period to... So I grew up without a Bond and a Doctor Who. But, <laughs> but well, no, you think about it, everybody that came before had had a Bond. That It was a big tempo thing. Every two years, you had a new Bond film. And yeah, it just kind of stopped. Had, so I'd grown up... serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love a misogynist serial killer? Um... <laughs> The world's a better place for it. I think we can all agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So I grew up on other people's bonds. So I think Dalton was the closest I had to claiming my own sort of bond because I discovered him by myself, sort of thing. If that makes any fucking sense. So yeah, yeah like I say, I grew up on Sean Connery and the Roger Moore ones because that's what I was told we were watching, kind of thing. And um, yeah, License to Kill was just such a breath of fresh air, having had those films. As much as I loved them as a kid, constantly churned out to the point where I was bored of Bond. Yeah. The point where I really begrudgingly watched License to Kill the first time. Like I say, the fact that it engaged with me and made me reassess my love of Bond and kick that nostalgia back in for me to go back and watch previous Bonds and to then continue following it forward from GoldenEye onwards, which I'm not a massive fan of GoldenEye, I must admit. But I... I I would have loved to have seen Dalton in GoldenEye, but I fully understand why he turned it down and why it was the smart thing to do because I think if Dalton had come back in Goldeneye the franchise wouldn't have kicked off the way it did with Pierce Brosnan 
I, I think Brosnan the, was the perfect guy to bring Bond back. He was that right element of Connery and yes, Roger Moore. Roger Moore, yeah, so and, gave and people that nostalgia kick while bringing it smack up to date with the mid nineties. Yeah, and I think Sean Bean was the person to put him over because you, yeah. if you, if it's your first time at the gate as Bond, you need like you need someone who's be, who's a better actor than you, don't you? Really? Yeah. <laughs> and Piers Brosnan could not have asked for better. Than like mid nineties, fresh off sharp Sean Bean. <laughs> yeah, you know, yep. like pre Game of Thrones, pre all this other fucking shit. And like the thing is, I you know I know that like I know that Goldeneye is a silly film, right? And I know it's not the best film, but like, but you know, it's like you said, like I was, I think I was like ten years old when the game came out for the N sixty four, and that was. Oh, the game's fucking amazing. That was the hottest shit imaginable by God. Uh, it was like, holy fucking shit. Because we'd just come from like Sonic the Hedgehog and all this other bullshit. Uh, not that Sonic was bullshit, but you know what I mean? Like the 16-bit flat stuff. And then there's this, you can walk around and you can shoot stuff. And if you shoot them in the balls, they react to it and all this other stuff. And it made us like the film more. You know what I mean? Like, it was, it, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't Metro Goldwyn Mayer that did that. That was rare who were working out of a barn in Wales. You know what I mean? Like, they <laughs> yeah. did that, you know? But no, I, I do get what you mean. Like, there's a, definitely a time to get into Bond. And yeah. um, no, I, I do agree that um, you were essentially impo- impoverished by that. So yeah. my, my condolences. <laughs> I said, that was my big hardship in life. <laughs> Imagine if I'd have had a Bond of my own. <laughs> you fucking young people. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, the great thing about, I mean, we're going off license to kill, but the great thing about Sean Bean in Goldeneye is that he was a contender for Bond. He was very oh. close choice at one right. point, I believe. Um, that makes sense. See, I think he would. I think he was a better Trevelyan. I yeah, think he would have been a terror. I don't think he would yeah, have been yeah, a good yeah. Bond. I don't think he would have had it as Bond. No. But no. and it's Sean Bean, so you kind of like him. But yeah. I mean, who doesn't like Sean Bean? He's he's effortless. Fucker dies in pretty much everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, you have to have him die. So, yeah, you have to In have the films, he doesn't die, and he turns out to be a wanker anyway. So, possibly yeah. with the exception <laughs> when Saturday comes, I could never get through it. But, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but no, like I say, I, I just, yeah, I really gravitated towards this film. I think because it was edgier, it was more in line with the Bond of the books, which I'd only read a couple of the books then, but it, the Bond in the books is very different to the one on film. Yeah. Um, I would say that Dalton's closer to the Bond of the books even than Craig is. As much as I like Daniel Craig. Yeah. You know, was one of the few people who did get on board with his casting. Yeah, no, I, I no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I think I, I think most of my most of my problems with this film are to do with like pace, procedure, um, execution. <laughs> um, Jeremy, you know I mean? it's it's yeah, I, yeah. I think I think um, I think Tim Dalton was was fine. But finds about it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's fair enough. Like I say, if, had I come to this either post Brosnan or at the same time as Brosnan, or even possibly at the time it came out, I would have been ten when it came out. Yeah, so definitely not. But I remember it coming out. I remember the whole thing. I remember Living Daylights coming out as well. Mm. But um, yeah, I possibly wouldn't have gravitated towards it as much as I did, having seen it at that right time. Yeah. Kind of I think I was the right age to see it, kind of thing. And it was only ninety-five, so only six years after the film had actually come out. Whereas you guys have come into it, well, thirty-one, thirty years, years later. later yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was. So two a a lot's changed in the world of Bond and cinema. Mm. 
kind of thing. So all that stuff. And, you know, I wasn't, I've not seen Scarface by that point. I wasn't massively into drug cartel movies. So no. I'd seen Lethal Weapon 2, but not Lethal Weapon. So all that stuff was relatively fresh for me as a non massive moviegoer of the time kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, I grown up on like Ace Ventura and all that shit. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, didn't we all, well, but you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, like for, for me, it just felt like it felt like a missed opportunity to like get like a late eighties, eighties themed, eighties look spin, like an original Bond, an original Bond story, but with the eighties aesthetic. And I think we, we well, we've missed that film twice, right? Because we could have had it for License to Kill. And I don't know if either of you saw this, but um, Nicholas Winding Revan turned down Spectre. Did you oh. see that? Uh, yeah, no, the guy, the guy who directed Drive. Can you imagine what an, a, a Nicholas Winding Revan fucking Bond would look like? To be fair, I think they always wanted Sam Mendes back anyway. Yeah, I, I yeah. I think they kind of approached him to get Sam Mendes to be like, oh no, actually, we'll do it. A bit like they That's offered Robin Williams the role of the Joker to get Jack Nicholson to sign. Yeah, but I think if Dalton had had one more, I think if the legal issues hadn't happened and he would got his next one in '91, I think that would have cemented it. It would have possibly even put that film in a better focus because i think they had a loose trilogy in mind as you know as loose as those films followed on yeah kind of thing i almost think license to kill would have been a better third bond film for him mm, yeah right. second i think he could have done with two under his belt so people were a bit more accepting of him because obviously he was a stark contrast after roger moore so if he'd had two films to build it up and then done license to kill people would have gone for it a bit more i mean it's one of those films that post daniel craig people have gone back and reappraised timothy Dalton. actually find they like him better eh? apart from you two fuckers um <laughs> i don't but... dislike him as bond i think he's a fine i think he's okay he's he's all right he, like he's not the worst bond i don't think no but like i say he's he's arguably well not arguably he's my favorite and i would arguably argue for him being the best well in terms of the Bond portrayal of the Bond character. I mean, Connery's always going to have that thing of being the original. Yeah, and Connery's yeah, always going to be great because he's Connery. Mate, mate I'm, I'm I'm Scottish. If I don't say <laughs> Connery's the best Bond, then I'm going to get fucking lynched. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but he fucked off to Spain. You're fine. Yeah, true. <laughs> but and he's got his own problematic issues. So. But, yeah, but even as even as even as Bond, I uh, mean, everybody can for some reason forget everything. The minute you say Sean Connery Bond, they're like, oh, yes, yes, come on, there's, again. There's everybody the does the impression. There's very few yeah. actors in the world that have the gravitas of being able to go playing a Russian sub. I'm going to do it Scottish. Yeah, fine, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> nobody else would get away with that. <laughs> and the role's better for it. Mm. <laughs> you want me to play somebody Spanish in Highlander? I'm going to do it uh, Scottish. Yeah, right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ironically, the one guy in Highlander who isn't supposed to be Scottish. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But, but yeah, no, like I say, I can understand why people don't like it. I can understand why non-Bond fans don't like it. I can even understand why fans of the earlier Bond films don't like it. But I fucking love it, and the crowd for appreciating Timothy Dalton has grown over the years and he's largely 
up there more and more when people ask who their favourite or who the best Bond is. His name's in contention more and more. And like I said, I think if he'd have got a third film, he'd be higher on a lot more people's lists. I think a lot more people Mm would have taken him. Because it took three films for Sean Connery to sort of really get cemented as Bond. I mean, I can see why he's... I can see why he has been, um, uh, you know, reappraised. Uh, especially after the Daniel Craig bonds, which yeah. I feel, I feel like that, like this was like a prototype for that, you know. Yeah, I think if Dalton had done what he did now, oh yeah, it would have been fine. He would, have, or if he'd have done Goldeneye instead of Pierce Brosnan and Pierce Brosnan, and then Living Daylights, Daylights, and whatever would come after. Because, yeah. like I said, I don't think you'd have a license to kill with Pierce Brosnan in the role. No, it would. Yeah, it would have been a uh, well. As much as I like Pierce Brosnan, he's far too pouty. He was, yeah, he was a fine Bond. He was like, I don't think anybody's been like. He was the right terrible. Bond at the time. I, yeah, no, I, yeah. there's not a Bond I dislike. Like I say, I, I'm even a big fan of Lazenby. But yeah. As, as problematic as Lazenby is as an actor. Why? What's, I, prob- what's problematic about, Lazen- about George Lazenby? Well, he wasn't an actor, he was a model. But he's not the greatest oh. actor, is what I mean. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. No, I thought... Problematic isn't. <laughs> uh, I, thought, <laughs> I thought I thought you meant problematic in like the modern. Yeah, not like context. in a Harvey Weinstein kind of way. <laughs> no. We've <laughs> had to delete some Bond films off Netflix because of racially insensitive material. Uh, well, to be fair, fuck, be all. Well, well, they could have done all. I was going to say. Octopus, you'd go straight away. Some yeah. Orientals. <laughs> we'll just end on that. Some Orientals. Yep. Well done. Well done. Which. From what I read somewhere, they speak the wrong Oriental language to him anyway. Ah, yeah, sounds about right. So, but you know, it was the eighties. I know you can't use that as an excuse, but <laughs> it was the eighties. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of fucking hell. If you go back and watch an episode of Mind, that hey, wow, yeah. you you kind of just have to accept certain things as when they were recognised that they are wrong by today's standards. But yep, try try telling the news up, but. <laughs> Well, yeah, but but yeah, I think the film was originally meant to be set in Hong Kong, so they probably just carried that over because it's very influenced by Japanese samurai films. The whole infiltrating, do you know what I was? And I a... I thought that I I thought that there's like a um like a seventh samurai thing going on here. Do you know what I mean? But it's but it's all filmed in like Mexico, like tax haven Mexico, like yeah, McMansion with a winking fish. And um, one of those infinity like, pool, an infinity pool, and one of those um, what do they call them? Those railways that go up the side of a mountain and all that kind of shit. That was one of the notes that I put down. Was what? What do you think they're trying to achieve with this one? A change of mood, a darker approach, a tax break? <laughs> I can't tell. Wait, well, it was definitely, tax break. This is definitely the, for budget reasons. Yeah. To yeah. Best <laughs> my knowledge, this is the only Bond film that didn't film at all in the UK. You stopped yeah, footage that... for the establishing shot, and then everything else was filmed. Elsewhere, because yeah, that, the that UK was would... the odd. That was the odd thing about it. It gave it a really weird vibe. The fact that it seemed very American, like all the extras and everything. There was only about yeah. what three people in it that actually were speaking like the Queen's English. You know, there was there was only about three of them in there that were like that. Q, um, Money Penny, and um, yeah, that was and it really. And obviously. But the agent that goes to take him down is very much that English actor who's been working in America so long that he talks like this now. Yeah. yeah. This is the property of Her Majesty's government, you piece of shit. Yeah. 
It just didn't sit, even even though even though I'm not a Bond fan, it just it just didn't sit right with me at all. Like in the slightest, I kept I kept feeling like okay, at some point it's going to kick in and be like a typical Bond film. Except from the kind of yeah. one-liners and a bit of Q turning up, it was like it still doesn't sit right. And Q didn't turn up until like really far into it as well. When you think about it, yeah, I mean, he's normally I, there at the top of the film. So ironically, much like the eighteen wheelers, it was it was uh, I thought it's going to reach top speed at some point. They never quite got there. No. Yeah. So you're both wrong. But... <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean. It's not a Bond film in the traditional sense. It's probably closer to a Bond film in the Daniel Craig sense. Yeah, it was, de- it was definitely like ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Because if you want a slow Bond film, watch fucking Spectre. Oh, yeah, yeah. that was. <laughs> that was a tough watch. I mean, even watch Skyfall. That's fucking tedious as well. I don't get why everybody loves it. I haven't, haven't watched any of the Daniel Craig ones. So I've got nothing to say on that. <laughs> but, I mean, they're, they're good, but oh. objectively good. Fuck. Casino Royale's the best. What, the Woody Allen one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Jeremy Niven or something? Or... David Niven. David Niven, that's it. Who's Jeremy, Jeremy Niven? Niven? God, I'm thinking of Jeremy God. Irons, I think. Or Jeremy Norton. Yeah. I kind of I got the 14 names mixed up there. Yeah, David <laughs> Niven, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> But, but yeah, no, like, I mean, I recognise there are problems with it. You could pick apart Bond's plan quite quickly and easily. It could, it's hanging on by a lot of coincidences. Yeah. Yes. You've got to question the logic of fucking the guy you want to kill's wife in his house while he's there. Even if you did put a gold chair in front of the door. That's yeah. fucking risky business. That's just inviting <laughs> trouble you potentially don't need. But yeah, there's always that sort of air with Sanchez that you think, he fucking knows. Uh, it never actually comes until Benicio Del Toro confronts him and he throws the fire and blows the lab up. That Sanchez is finally kind of like, oh shit, no, he is a Roman. Yeah, I, I did, that was like, to, to me, that was the most egregious thing. Like, not just in terms of the story, like, you know, as I've said, it's basically, the plan was basically to be a, like a gossipy temp at this company. Um, like, which is basically what it boiled down to, isn't it? Like, um, have you heard what the temp said? No, you know, like, but, um, but <laughs> that, that could have been handled better. But I think it sort no, of it plays could. into the arrogance of. Well, no, it could have it's been done only... better within the film. There's it's probably, the arguably way... a better way he could have taken him down, but it's the only way that he could have taken him down anyway. Though he was, he wasn't double. Fair, he, he was double o shite. <laughs> he doesn't last two seconds at a punch up. <laughs> Now, James, here's a here's a camcorder sniper that only you can use. Ah, oh, someone's taken it off me. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That scene did smack of we haven't had an action beat for a little while. Just yeah. Chuck in some ninjas. Yeah, bring in the ninjas. <laughs> but like I say, flaws and all, I fucking love it, and I think it's a better film than both of you are marking it out as. But. You know, one of you loves Napoleon Dynamite and the other loves Lost in Translation, so... None of us have got a leg to stand on. And who won those fights, eh? Hey, <laughs> Not me. I know how Tom feels Tom every me. week. Yep. Every week. Haunts my nightmares. You know, it's, it's just in there all the time. Still wakes oh, up in just... cold sweats. i got to say, I have enjoyed this... Um... 
essentially this um, like Celtic reunion, you know, the, <laughs> the, the border nations joining forces at last to take on yes. uh, girl fashion, English imperialism. So that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Robin of Prince of Thieves. Yes. Yeah. And Kevin Costner, the, the Canadian Robin Hood. <laughs> hey, he spent money on a dialect coach only for him to go down bother. <laughs> that's true. Poor Costner. Oh, it's a bum rap. <laughs> oh, come on. You kick license to kill. Don't start on Costner. Worst are we doing Costner now, are we? Worst actor of our generation, definitely. Oh, dare you. Did you not like <laughs> um did you not like Field of Dreams, Tom? No. Did, did you not? not like Field of Dreams? No. Oh, Unequiv- like unequivocally, unequivocally. No, we Field of Dreams any, anything he's in. <laughs> oh no, please don't. <laughs> anything that's a point that's actually. What, what are we gonna do next now? Because we've we've each been the like public defender for a film. Well, like what are we gonna do? I say we th- I, if if Stuart's if Stuart's up up for it, I, I say we throw it out to the throw it out to the crowd and see uh, what somebody comes up with. No show showgirls or the room or or, or anything right. like that, but I'm like not, a genuine film. I'm not being funny, Tom, but you've seen my Twitch streams. Do you really want to let the peanut gallery choose? <laughs> <laughs> Big right, mistake. Yeah, I have right seen straight your, away. Big I have mistake. Seen your Twitch streams actually. Uh, you know, I've I've also heard somebody else being called the number one Tom. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> where are, where am I on that list? Eh, number two, number three, maybe number sixteen. Hey, hey, well, John. Well, it, well if you were there more often, maybe you could be a moderator, like <laughs> like number one Tom Curry is. Sorry, right, uh... <laughs> oh, oh that's fine. No, nobody that's enjoys fine. these Twitch streams, least of all me. So it's nothing, it's nothing to worry about. Well, I think we either next time have to either pick a film we all love or pick a film we all fucking hate. Well, I was oh. thinking, you know what I think I, I think is, we could do is Whacking Phoenix's Joker. I think we could definitely get a show out of that. Oh, no. Oh. I, I don't want, well, I have I've strong feelings on that film, so... Right, and what are those strong feelings? Are they positive uh, or are they, they negative? They are not in the positive. Tom, I've not watched it. I was trying to put it off, but if you if if you <laughs> want to talk about it, I would do it. <laughs> All right. It's... Well, I mean, well, you know, it's, you know, it's an idea. I, you know, I just think, you so know, where, where do your feelings lie on Joker? I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> I thought it was really good. <laughs> right. So, so, so either for for the for the folks at home. It would either be Joker or suggest a film. Well, we could we could put some films together and like put a poll. Uh, right, I think a poll is a better idea than just turning it over to the listeners, who I do not respect. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Though, like, because it because it will be like it'll be like Plan Nine from Outer Space or something, and you know. Yeah. Or Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> yeah. True. Or yeah. Speed Two. That's true. People are looking to have uh, a film totally kicked to bits that is like already on the floor gagging for mercy. So yeah, okay, nah, screw that. <laughs> yeah. I went back on that. Yeah, a poll. Yeah, get a poll. Sorry, yeah. audience, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
predetermined options, definitely. <laughs> yeah, if we chuck some ideas in a hat, and then we'll... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, to sort of round this one out, then, would you recommend people watch *License to Kill*? Personally speaking, no, I would not. It's too long. Not enough happens. Um, You can sort of see what they were going for, but they did not get there because they were driving the slowest vehicles on earth outside of the Wright (laughs) brothers' plane, and (laughs) the film. Pew, what a stinker. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god, yeah, no, it was interminable. Don't don't <laughs> don't even what if you find a, a sealed copy of it on the street, don't even bend over to pick it up. <laughs> everything, that jo- everything that John just said, but just adding that I hate James Bond on top of it. And there you go. <laughs> Bang on. And I would of course recommend people watch it. It's one of the best James Bond films. What's the matter with you people? <laughs> We're going to have to do a poll now to see who agrees. It's, it's a good thing it's your show, it's Stuart. I was going to say, because it's Stuart's show, show this is, on, the Wikip- on the fan Wikipedia, this is going to go down as a Stuart victory. <laughs> well, yeah, because I'm going to edit this like that Homer Simpson tape. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, I too loved this film. I thought the 18-wheeler scene was very exciting. See, that's it. <laughs> that's all I need to cut in. Let me just note the time. <laughs> I'm just going to have John say I need to go for a piss and then (laughs) (laughs) and he just never comes back (laughs) but but no cheers for that Um, given that you've shredded one of my (laughs) top 10 favourite films of all time no bother mate anytime (laughs) (laughs) see this is why I didn't pick Footloose well, Footloose is going on the poll. Make a note of that, listeners. Yeah, <laughs> definitely is. Mm. No, I'm not having you bastards to Troy Footloose. I can recognise that Footloose is not an objectively good film. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry, right, so, but we've, we've got to trust the judgement of the listeners who I've always had faith in. Please pick Footloose when we put it on the poll. I've always yeah. thought you were the wisest listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you've, uh, you've forgotten yeah. you almost, almost went with Just Like Heaven, so, you know... <laughs> Oh, just like Heaven's got to go on the list then. Pretty sure the wife's got a copy of that somewhere, so I won't even have to pay to watch it. Only with I myself. I don't think I've ever seen it. I don't I think, think I've ever seen it. I don't it. think I've ever seen it, to be fair. I think I left the room when she watched it. So. Modern masterpiece. I went to watch License to Kill. <laughs> like Heaven. Let's have a look. Who's in that? Mark Ruffalo Mark and Reese Witherspoon. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pauline Dynamite. I haven't... Um... Oh god, he is, isn't he? Yeah, I haven't seen it, but god, it does does ring a vague bell. Hmm. It was that post Cruel Intentions, Sweet Home Alabama, Legally Blonde. Everybody loves Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, brief yeah. period of time. But yeah, so yeah, all right. We'll do a poll for the next one then, and see what people want to hear us destroy or defend. Yeah. So if if you want to hear us have a good old going over on Footloose, be sure to cast that vote. <laughs> Pop the axe in the Footloose. box. Fuck off. <laughs> um, now I think you both argued your case brutally, and um, <laughs> I, I defended it as best I could, given that I was getting a kick in down a dark alley with two guys with fucking baseball bats. <laughs> <laughs> I punched one of you in the nuts, so it's fine. <laughs> 
Unless like, this is going yeah. down in the annals of time. <laughs> I mean, to, to, borrow, to borrow Scottish parlance, I'm not going to do the voice. You came up against the movie fight's young team here. You were walking down the road one night and you came across two young lads, two young strapping lads who are out for a ruck. They'd just seen License to Kill and they were so bored they went mad and they took to the streets. <laughs> Look, how could you trouble. be bored by this but like Joker? Well, we can get into it, can't we, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> you decide. You Dumbest decide. fucking... Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. That means I'll have to watch Joker again, though. No, no, not yet. You're all right. Not yet. Oh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting until the poll comes in. <laughs> I mean, I bought it, so I should probably watch it at least twice, but... We must put our oh. faith in our in our beautiful listeners, who I think of all as my sons. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I dare you apply gender to degrees. Ah dear. Well, cheers for that, gents. Uh, before we go, you got anything you want to plug or? Uh... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. comic house. Uh... Oh, um, although the Kickstarter will have ended by the time this comes out. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Spark, right? Is that? Yeah, that's made it though, isn't it? That's made it. Yeah. Yeah, it's made it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Despite Tom being involved, it made it. Fucking hell! He wasn't. He wasn't happy with you know joyful at the end. Was he? Let it. Let it be noted that when I've been the prosecutor on these podcasts, I've always maintained a civil tone, right? <laughs> on air, yeah. But well, yeah. The texts afterwards are unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> and inappropriate. Stuart, you have to stop sending those nudes. It's getting ridiculous. Yeah. I can't it's keep the my previous bonus weapon I've got. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, while these while these two are working out their personal problems, um, if you want to find me online, um, <laughs> um, I'm... I'm on Twitter at John Tucker Art. And um, if you want to watch me on Twitch, um, I'm John Tucker Art on there, twitch.tv forward slash John Tucker Art. Um, by the time this goes out, I will have recently drawn a Gigi Allen waifu body pillow in an attempt <laughs> to lure in the horn dogs. Um, when we're recording this, that's going to be tomorrow at 2 p.m. It'll be in the archive when you go and check for it, listeners. And believe me, <laughs> it's going to be hell on earth. I do not enjoy Twitch streaming. So uh, do feel free to go and have a look at that. It's just me in my in uh, my well, I call it my office. It's an unused bedroom, and I'm mainly just arguing with Cliff Cumber and drawing <laughs> um, highly sexualized versions of Mr. Bean and Gigi Allen. So do tune in. <laughs> Class. <laughs> Uh, and my book's on Comic House as well, but you know that. You know that, anyway. You haven't made it this far if you don't know that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm I'm not going to plug my own own Twitter, so go across and go to at thatcomicsmell on Twitter and Instagram and go to, well, Google thatcomicsmell and it comes up with all the places, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, etc. Listen to the podcast. Also, the Comic Art Festival podcast is coming back over the next week, I think. Uh, we took a 
a week off, so coming back again, so there'll be another review going up and all the team and everything are back. And head across to firstpartbooks.co.uk and buy yourself some top quality all-ages comics. Some even have my hand in it. <laughs> Don't get put off by that. <laughs> awesome. There you go. Oh, cheers for that, then. I, uh, yeah, say so even though I feel like I've been severely beaten, I did enjoy it. So <laughs> probably says more about me than I want. <laughs> Stuart Moraine loves a beating. Loves it. <laughs> Only verbally, though. <laughs> I, I fear actual physical pain. I'm a comic nerd. I've got no interest in fighting. <laughs> <laughs> And if you've but, got no interest in fighting, check out License to Kill, uh, available on streaming platforms. <laughs> <laughs> you might be gracious when you're a defender. <laughs> I should have been a lawyer, boys, I'm telling you now. I should have been a lawyer. Most annoying lawyer in the country. If Yeah, if you agree with me, put in the comments when this gets posted up. Just somebody, just one person. Just be my mum. <laughs> Not seen it, but I agree with you. Thanks. How about the kids? Not now, mum. <laughs> Not supposed to know me. <laughs> awesome. And on that bombshell. Ah, cheers for that, gents. I shall speak to you again soon when we uh, fire up a poll, I suppose. Cool. Cheers for having us, boss. Cheers. Cheers for coming on. See ya. See Why don't you wait until you're asked? So why don't you ask me? movie fights number three uh, i hope you enjoyed listening to it if you've got anything you want to add to the conversation uh fire a comment when you see this go up or comment on the thing on podbean um uh, do you side with me do you side with john and tom uh what are your thoughts on license to kill um do you feel i defended it well do you feel i missed some things out do you feel i did a lousy job and should hand in my bond card all things valid fire them in the comments if you agree like i say hopefully enjoyed it i'd like to thank john and tom for coming on the episode again and talking about the film um, as we discussed in that, we're going to look at some ideas about maybe putting up a poll for films that we should look at in the future. Um, this seems to have proved like a fairly popular idea, so we want to keep the movie fights going. So yeah, we might we'll come up with a short list and we'll let some people vote on the um, films that we should they think we should do. Um, so keep an eyes your eyes peeled for that sort of thing. There's a Facebook group for Am Why Not. There's only three of us in it at the moment, but you know it's organically going to grow over time so if you like the podcast and you want to get involved uh, head on over to the facebook group it's forward slash and why not i think but you can find it through the nerds who haunt themselves facebook page um and yeah that's pretty much it for this one um all the links for john and tom will be in the show notes um you can find um true believers online as at okay true believers on twitter and instagram we're on Facebook as facebook.com forward slash OK True Believers, and we have the website. 
uh, OKTrueBelievers.com. Obviously, there's, with no con happening next year, there's not a lot going on there at the moment. There's still the weekly Draw Something Sunday over on the Facebook page. So if you fancy doing some drawing on a Sunday, head over to the Facebook page and get involved. That'd be awesome. We'd love to see what you do. Um, if you want to find more of me, for whatever reason, I'm on Twitter as @tokennerd. I'm on Facebook as um, my drawing page is Stuart Thinks You Can Draw or facebook.com forward slash Stuart Can't Draw. You can find it by doing either. Um, and I'm on Instagram as Stuart Thinks You Can Draw as well. Um, and I've also got comics on Comic House, including the um, Nerds Who Haunt Themselves uh, collection of like little cartoon strips, um, which is um, Nerds Who Haunt Themselves outstanding in their field. Um, it's short, it's a collection of the drawn a day I did and then a couple of bonus ones as well. Um, just for a bit of fun, they might raise a smile or an eye roll. And for the nerds who haunt themselves, you can find us on Twitter as at Haunted Nerds. We're on Facebook as facebook.com forward slash Haunted Nerds. Like I say, there's an and why not group as well you can check out. And you can find us on Podbean at hauntednerds.podbean.com. Um, thanks for listening. Um, like I say, keep them peeled for more stuff to come. Um, I'm both in the and why not and why not movie fights and all the other podcasts we do through this nerds channel and yeah thanks for listening hope you enjoyed it and if you want to get involved fire us over some comments when you see this episode posted up stay safe thanks for listening bye